Hi, I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. And we're from Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the entire Back to the Future trilogy one minute at a time. Like the minute when Principal Strickland becomes a vigilante hero of the wasteland after Biff takes over Hill Valley in the alternate 1985 timeline. I I don't... Wait, I don't I don't remember. Or that. the minute where we learn that Dr. Emmett Brown is secretly the saxophone king of Hill Valley. Hold on. When when did that or when did that happen? When we slowly start to realize that George McFly may have murdered both of his parents. Okay. Now I don't I don't remember that being in the movies. Well, Scott, that's because none of those things are actually in the movies, but it's all stuff that we talk about on Back to the Future Minute. Back to the Future Minute, available at DuelingGenre.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we have Alex Montgomery with us once again. Welcome back, Alex. It is very good to be back. Oh, it's so Gary. nice to have you here. This has been fun. Um, today we are talking about minute number 47. Minute 47 starts with Oliver Wood and George Weasley shaking Harry's hand at the same time and ends with Percy telling Harry about Snape. Um, <clears throat> I made a note because of the start of this minute, like, last minute, uh, Harry comes to the table, and he shakes Percy's hand, he's, like, greeted by all the Weasleys, but Oliver Wood and George here both reach for his hand at the same time, <laughs> right at the beginning of the second, and I think that Harry grabs both their, like, I think that it was just, like, everyone congratulate Harry as he comes to the table, right. you know, and the kids are all just, like, eager, just like, let like, me, I want to shake, shake your hand. hand. I wrote that I'm pretty sure this is George, because I think Fred is the one that's standing up, and only because... Like, I think their facial structure... I'm, I am determined to tell them apart. <laughs> and I that's think their his, facial structure is a little goal. bit different, but I have not perfected it yet. That is my goal this year. This okay. Harry Potter Minute resolution. <coughs> discover which one's which. Discover which one's which. Which which? Which which. Which which. I like which which. I've already discovered which which. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in which which. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I know that, that it's James Phelps playing Fred and Oliver Phelps playing George. And if you look at their pictures on IMDb today, like, they look distinct enough that I could tell you which one's which. Okay. But I have such a way back when. Yeah, I heard stories about Fred and George, James and Oliver playing the other twins' character on screen and then having to reshoot things because, like, they were indistinguishable (laughs) enough. That, like, they would play each other and, like, throw off filming. And... It's a very Fred and George thing to do. It's perfect. They were like, just in character. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what would happen. Like, I think that it's maybe beneficial that we can't tell them. Like, because they are a unit, they become a single solitary. They're Fred and George. For now. For now. For now. 
Oh, oh, stop that. We don't have to worry about that for years. Many years. Yeah, neither do they. Oh, yeah. stop <laughs> it. That's the worst. That's terrible. So, so Harry, Harry joins the table. He, he looks up at Dumbledore and Dumbledore like toasts him, like raises his glass. I like Dumbledore's goblet. I know, it's very pretty. I it like is that. very, oh, I'm very ornate. It is gotta... very ornate. It's this gold goblet. It has like kind of a, the base of it has this like little glass, like starry portion that I like. But yeah, I don't really like know a... what the design on the cup itself is. It literally is too, like it's it not looks, like facing you. It kind of looks like a snitch from this angle. Yeah, it's, it's cause it's the golden color and it sort of looks like there's like wings on it, mm-hmm. or, but there's like stars around the top. Um, I tried very hard to look up this prop and I couldn't. Well, he find has like it. stars on his hat and, it was very... It was half-moon spectacles. Half-moon yeah. spectacles. It was like very celestial. <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore is. Yeah. He really is. So Harry joins the table, and uh, he sits down. <laughs> he sits down <laughs> on the left of Ron. So we are looking at the table from the perspectives of, like, the professors looking down the table. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's on the right. So, yeah, it's... Percy and Hermione on the left, Harry and Ron on the right. Okay. And then we cut to McGonagall tapping on her glass so that, so that, so that, uh, Dumbledore can give his announcement. Of, of he let does, the feast begin. Yeah, he, he <laughs> says let the feast begin. We'll talk about the feast in a second. But then it cuts back up and Harry is sitting on the opposite side of the table <sighs> next to Percy. Not only oh, next boy. to Percy, but between Percy, between Percy and, and Hermione. Hermione. Yeah. That is, like, one of the biggest flubs that, like, I notice in this movie. It's is just, like, him jumping from one side of the table to the other. It's like, what? Okay. And I think it's because, I think it's because we get this shot of, like, once the food appears, we get this shot of, like, let's go all the way up the table. We see all the different kids and all the food and everything, and Ron is at the end. Like, yeah. And I think it's just to empty out the chairs to make room for the camera to move. Right. So all the kids tend to be on, or are basically on one side up until like we hit Ron. But it's weird that Harry jumps from one side of the table to the other. And we're pretty sure he doesn't know how to apparate. No. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. Definitely. Not and it just sort of, it cuts. Even McGonagall's glass is very pretty with the gold lining on mm-hmm. just like a simple, really pretty glass. Yeah. It cuts from Harry sitting down to what I'm assuming is the end of the swearing ceremony because there are quite a few kids there still in that crowd. There were a lot of kids. It's just, yeah, we talked about last week we brought up of like, is there a montage or something where we see, no, we just skip it. It's just like, oh, Harry's sorted. Who cares? None of those other kids are important. They don't matter. Nope. Don't want to see Seamus Finnegan get sorted. Dean Thomas. <laughs> Dean Thomas. Neville Longbottom. Crab and Goyle. So many kids that got skipped over. I know, and that was I read. I read that Neville Longbottom with his like interaction with the uh, sorting hat that he wanted to be in Hufflepuff. He's like, put me in Hufflepuff. It's safer. Uh, it's that uh, basically it's safer. No one will like, expect much of me. Yeah, exactly. But he's like, nope, too bad. You need to go to Gryffindor. So, so Dumbledore stands up, and he says, "Let the feast begin." Exactly. And like, food appears, and it's really. I am disappointed. That we don't get, we don't get any of the whimsy of Dumbledore in these movies, really. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad because in this moment in the book, in order to get the food to appear, he says, "Nitwit, With blubber, oddment, tweak." tweak. <laughs> uh, I read a fantastic article okay. today. Did we read the same? <laughs> I'm I read pretty a sure we thread. did. Oh, I didn't read a Reddit thread. Okay. I read it from 
um, what was it? Uh, HarryPotterProfessor.com? Oh, I yeah, yeah. They've got, no, that's, there's good stuff there, too. Okay. Tell me what you read. I am very okay, interested Okay, okay, okay. Here's the gist of it. Okay. Dumbledore says these four words, and each of these four words, they represent something that each of the four houses would refer to as the quote-unquote other. Interesting. Which is, okay, let's break this down in order. Nitwit. Since Ravenclaw emphasizes intelligence, they would call kids in the other houses nitwit because, oh, they're not in Ravenclaw. They must be dumb or something or other. Sure. And then Blubber, Gryffindor. They're sort of the jock house, and I think they definitely prize uh, physical boldness, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Oh, that kid's not Gryffindor. He's must be a Blubber. He's not as, you know, physically... Yeah. Like, 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 basically you're not physically fit or more of an athletic build. Yeah, definitely. Because I think Gryffindor is, out of all the houses, the one house that definitely emphasizes that. More jockey. Yeah, jockey, yeah. Oddment. That comes from, the word oddment actually comes from sewing. Because an oddment is a piece of cloth that was left over after making something. Okay. But it's not enough to make something on its own. And for Slytherin, since they value purity... By extension, they value something that's whole. Oh, okay. And if you're an oddments, you're not good enough or pure enough to be in Slytherin, and that's looked down upon because it's Slytherin. And Tweak, Hufflepuffs sort of realize that they don't possess any of the, like, any of the excessive qualities that the other houses have, so they just sort of think that that excess should be trimmed and tweaked, so to say. So that they can be brought to the mean. That's fascinating. Or something. Or other. That's what I read the, on HarryPotterProfessors.com. The Reddit thread that I read went a similar direction. Okay. But one of the comments that I really liked took it the opposite direction. Oh. Of like, each of these could be an insult to a particular house. Oh, okay. That like, um, nitwit, like, other people looking at Ravenclaws and going, oh, oh. they're just this intelligent, they're you nitwits, you think that you're that's, so smart or whatever. That's, okay, I, uh, I start to see where Blubber, I think, would probably be, I don't know if Blubber would still be a Gryffindor. It's harder. I, I didn't make notes of, like, where they would fit, but I think that, that either way, <laughs> um, these four words are perhaps uh, indicators of Dumbledore saying, like, you kids were so pure coming in here, now we're gonna break you into, we're yeah, splitting that's, you apart. That's what, uh, what I read. And there's like a too. remorse there, where yeah, he's like, definitely... I wish that you guys would make friends with each other houses, and like, but, but we have made this distinction, and it will forever last. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, Harry, is it Harry or Ron that asks, like, he's, is, he's like, no, Harry, it's Harry. It's, it's Harry. Harry's like, is he a bit mad? And, and then Percy's Percy says, like, He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Best wizard in the world. Yeah. He's a little mad. He's, yeah. he's a little mad. <laughs> but I think that he's definitely making that distinction of, like, we are, you guys have been separated and it is not for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and which fact, I find really interesting. The fact that Harry is the one, the fact that those words stay with Harry and he has this role later on of uniting the wizarding world against Voldemort. Yeah. That he basically allows people to see past their own differences in order to achieve something else to combat a greater threat. Yes. And the fact that Harry can pick up on what Dumbledore is saying about the division of these people as they come into this new part of their mm-hmm. lives 
That's just really, really good. It stuff. shouldn't be. Uh, Scott Corelli last week mentioned that that not only um, is there this this separation that is happening between the classes uh, in the in the school, but McGonagall says that while you're here, your house will be your family. Mm-hmm. And Draco says, you'll find that some wizarding families are better than others. Oh, and so even okay. that seems to imply that, like, this class distinction means more mm-hmm. than just, like, the students you're going to be taking your classes with. This is this is something that you're going to carry with you the rest of your life. Um, Which I find really interesting, because even when we see... uh in, like, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, we follow Newt's commander, and Newt's been out of Hogwarts for how long, but he still has this pride for the house he's from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's an interesting distinction that we make. Like, it, it, it has become such a thing that us, muggles in the real world consuming this media, have taken to splitting ourselves into the different houses. Oh, absolutely. This thing that, like, probably Dumbledore wouldn't want to be happening. Yeah. The, the, his whole... Sort of going against what he's trying to tell us. Exactly. So so with these four words, what Dumbledore is saying is, like, don't let the different house you're sorted in separate you from your fellow mm-hmm. students or whatever. And and that it falls on deaf ears because he uses the most absurd phrase. Because he just uses four words that mean nothing to anyone yeah. who's not listening. And I think but to someone who is thing. listening. Harry's listening. Yeah. Exactly. And Percy's listening. Um, I I wish we got more depth to Percy in these movies. Percy's I like his character in the books a lot because it's. I mean, he's, he's prideful. He's it's surprising prideful. that he's a maybe surprising and, he's a Gryffindor. And he kind almost, of is considering. Almost, uh, like not ashamed, but kind of trying to like get away from the of that stigma of like I'm a Weasley and like yeah. you will look down on my family. Yeah. And I don't want that association. It's it's well, very like he, it's, I don't know. Not only is it like oh I'm a Weasley and I'm from this like poor house, but also he has Bill and Charlie to live up to because they've both gone on and had like successful careers doing like big things. One of them works for Gringotts and the other one's a freaking dragon tamer. Like, it's, it's, he's in the shadow of that. So he attaches himself to, like, the Minister of Magic himself. To try to be, like, political. Yeah. I guess. Like, to, I'll have to, a political career. Like, yeah. why not? Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it's another type of ambition. Um. It's not the right one. <laughs> but it's still, it's, it's, a, it's a Gryffindor trait. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Interesting character that person. Yeah, yeah. We I mean, don't we get don't a lot get, of him in the movies. No, at we get all. a little bit more of him this week, and I think that might be it. It's like he disappeared for like basically the rest of the movies. Yeah, because in the books, well, he graduates. I think, but then you still get mentions of him of like being involved with uh, Fudge. Yeah, yeah, because he appears pretty much as Fudge's right hand man for yeah. the rest of the books after like Prisoner of Askman, because I think. He's in year five. I think so. When yeah. Harry starts, so he graduates in Prisoner Raskman. And from then on, we sort of see him in the context of him being with Fudge all the time. Yeah. Like whenever, uh. Um, they don't really talk about it much though. No, no. No. Not at all. Because it definitely causes like a fracture in the family. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like all of a sudden you became like the black sheep. Yeah. You're the one that's all like, oh, like you're not like the rest of us. Like. You went against us because mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, well, maybe I'm Harry's lying," yeah. and you know, Fudge knows what's best, and blah blah. blah. And it's like, are you insane? Like, you have you like you act like you haven't known Harry Potter like 
this many years, yeah. yet your brother's not best friends with him, and you're going to call him a liar. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. You don't get any of them. No. And the redemption, like, that's the best thing about mm-hmm. the book story, is that you get uh, the redemption at the end. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get that in here either, because there's nothing to redeem, really. Oh, well. So then all the food appears. So then the food. Presumably made Presumably. by dozens of house elves. Dozens of house elves. So, with Ron holding to... A drumstick in each hand. Mm-hmm. What a kid. In this movie. <laughs> he's very hungry. This is real food. That's all of it? All of it. Wow. Chris Columbus told their set decorator, Stephanie uh, McMillan, her name is Stephanie McMillan, that he wanted them to have like a proper feast. Oh, that's... The way they have in the book. So they were like thinking of like kids' foods, like sausages and things, and he was like, "No, like this is a feast. Like we it need to, to have, have like ham and turkey and, and roast beef and all the trimmings and the like, almost like Thanksgiving, but like even more grand." However, because of the lights, this food started smelling bad real quick. That's uh, unfortunate. Uh, the the they mention in the film wizardry book that I have that they replaced the meats every other day. And they had to replace the veggies twice a day oh, to keep everything yeah. fresh enough. So then after this scene, uh, actually, I think we have a couple other scenes where we see food. Um, after this movie, any of the food we see is just like molds cast in resin. Okay. That's so more practical. Work. Yeah. David Heyman, the producer, said that they, they had the hardest time getting the stench out of the room. Uh, off the set. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. It is awful. I started out really happy. And then it's now real just... food, and then just like oh wait, oh wait, <laughs> that means the ramifications this is of that. Real food. <laughs> this is food for four hundred people. Uh, I mean, at least they got fed. They're like, they yeah. food. I love watching all the kids just like eating and like just so excited. Like I imagine this is just like chat time. <laughs> yeah. There's Ron with his two Ron drumsticks. with his two drumsticks is my favorite, and and Seamus Finnegan's There's best line. Seamus, <laughs> Seamus' line, honestly, best line in the movie. It's, <laughs> it is one of the best. I'm not uh, half. I wrote that sitting on the one side of the table is Dean, Seamus, Neville, Hermione, Harry, Percy, Lee Jordan. Yep, that's a good, that's a good lineup. <laughs> yeah, it is a good lineup. And then on the other side of the table we have Ron, Fred, George, the uh, rest of the Oliver Wood. Plus Oliver Wood. And then I think it's just a bunch of kids we don't know. Bunch of randos. Yeah. I bet know. you on the other side of Oliver Wood has probably got to be more Gryffindor Quidditch players. Um, Angelina Johnson. Like Angelina, yeah. Katie uh, Bell. Katie Bell. Katie Bell. Um... There's another female chaser. Aren't the three chasers all female? I think so. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the last one's name. Me neither. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I just know those two. I can't remember the other one's name. Yeah, I think she's the only person on the Quidditch team I don't remember her name of. Because we've got everyone else. Because everyone Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Weasleys and Harry and Oliver Wood. It's like, it's like the whole team of Weasleys. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> later. That happens later. I know. That's later. Yes. Once, uh, once Ron and Ginny are also on the team. Basically. Oh, Ron tries it's, the it's He's not very Harry and the... He's... He got better. He gets better. He gets better. He is good. He, he just needed some self... He, he just, just needed some he confidence. Just, he's it's not as uh, naturally Irish. good as... Uh, <laughs> As his Harry is. Or Ginny. Or Ginny. Or Ginny. I mean, she played professionally. I'm half and half. I'm half and half. My dad's a muggle. Mom's a witch. witch. (laughs) Bit of a nasty shock for him when he found out. I want to know how his mom found out. I want to know how his dad found out. Yeah, I don't... I don't... Like... Yeah... It was a shock for him when he found out. Did he so, come home and she was like performing some magic? She was doing magic. And or did he showed she do up- something to him during an argument by accident? 
Like, or on purpose. Did, he give, did she give him a tail on accident? I don't... She says it's on accident. She says it's on accident. Like, can you imagine? Like, you get in a fight with a witch. Women are spiteful. She pulled out her wand and he was like, Whoa. What, what, what is, is that, that stick? Why, Why do you have stick a stick me? in your pocket? <laughs> Why are you pointing a stick at me? So, and then, and then, 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 then only, Alastair then only style turns him into a weasel and is like, Tossing it up and down. Exactly. <laughs> but does he find out that she's a witch before or after they have Seamus? Seamus. I don't know. I just think she's pregnant with Seamus. And it's gone far out. enough and he finds out and it's too late. It's too late. I'm already pregnant with the kid. Like, yeah. It's it. We're wed. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's Seamus. I don't know. I, I think like it's that kid. The fact that he explains this pretty much cements the presence of half-bloods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. how common they are, presumably. Because you have to... He doesn't show any, like, yeah, apprehension not... of telling anybody. He's like, I'm half and half. In like, this you know, movie, whatever. we don't actually... It's never stated that Hermione is a mudblood. That she doesn't have... That not both her one. parents are muggles. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's brought up at all. So I think that this is kind of an essential thing to be like, oh no, like... It's not uncommon for muggles to know about the wizarding. Can mm. can you come from a whole line of muggles? Like there is like literally no witches or wizards in your ancestral background whatsoever, and then like have a witch or a wizard be born in your family, or is there going to have to be at least one like very how the very whole, far back? How far back can it go? Well, I don't know. I mean, they say like even with uh gen- you know genetics like with race, like you can have a a an African American couple and they, they can have a gene? child that's that's white because of some gene way way back they had you know Caucasian families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have my parents have my mom has blonde hair, blue eyes, so I carry the recessive gene that could pass that on theoretically. Yeah, so, so even, even though, though you have I dark have dark hair, hair dark dark eyes, yeah. I could have a blue eyed child. A blue but I don't. Child. But I don't think that that I don't think that that tracks for like more than a couple generations. I think eventually, like that recessive gene is far enough out of the. I don't. I'm pretty. Isn't the whole reason that there are Muggleborns? I. I read this somewhere, but a Mugborn has to have, like, a squib ancestor. Because the squib carries that makes sense, the, the squib has the genetic That's gene. interesting. And, so the and then squib it gets passed the down that, to that the Mugborn wizard. The... Yeah. Ooh. I see. Yeah. See, that, that works, too. See? I, I like that. I feel like there has to be something in there that has to, that like, gets expressed. that gets expressed all I don't... of a sudden, you know, for you to just be a witcher wizard instead of it just happening all of a sudden. I... I, I'm really agonizing over here. I, uh, there's a part of me random. Yeah, well, we know it's not random because, like, parents that are both magical are more likely to have math. I think that a mudblood is more likely to happen than a squid. Mm. Okay. But I, I don't, but that, still would mean that you're, like, it would have to be a genetic thing. It's gotta be something. It's gotta be. So what is the genetic? component like what is the what is the piece of the genetic code that that is like magical like it, the the problem that i have is like magic the energy that produces magic doesn't come from a person it's being channeled from something else mm. it, it, it's like metachlorians <laughs> I guess yes, and, and the force is just flowing around them and generally so connected to, to be that. something a wizard can conduct that in a sense right i, I don't that needs to be a wizard equivalent 
equivalent to it. I don't know. Maybe, so yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a genetic thing. Because midi chlorians in Star Wars Minute, they talk about how it it seems to harken back to like like mitochondria. Like because mm-hmm. mitochondria have their own DNA, they're like a symbiont within yeah. our. Because mitochondrias do function as a symbiont. Within, yes, yeah. exactly. And and in that same sort of way, like the mitochondria of the cell was it seems to have been its own thing that became part of the natural replication of the cell of the human mm-hmm. body. Um, or like just any sort of life that there was, there are two different organisms that are living together, coexisting together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't want a midichlorian in the. <laughs> Who does? Yeah, I don't, right, yeah, I don't no, know. I don't. Harry Potter special edition. No! <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I, it's never explained. Like, I don't know how, a wizard in the wizarding world trans, like, tr- uh, conducts magic. I don't know where the energy for spells come from, like, what imbues. I. Well, they never explain vague. it. It's completely. Yeah. Magic in Harry Potter is super vague. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's for it's the best. It's probably for the best. But, I don't know. We I want to overanalyze. I want that many. Like, tell <laughs> me why it works. To. This is, that's, that's, I, the point. I'm such a fan of high fantasy where they take the time to to talk about why the magic system works. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, well, they actually, like, explain everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a real like thing. um, King Killer Chronicles with, by Patrick Rothfuss. Yes. Like, he talks about sympathy and how it's, like, an energy exchange of magic between different types of properties, and it's a whole, like, a math system that he's created. It's insane. Or um, in Aragon by Christopher yeah. Paulini, mm-hmm. he talks about how the energy that, that you use for a spell comes from within, and so you can't perform a spell that is beyond the natural means of your energy to yeah. to perform. Which makes sense. It does, um, because because it's thermodynamics. Like energy cannot be created or destroyed, and yeah, just from like a logical standpoint, yeah. it, from a physics nice, standpoint, from a physics standpoint, it, it's nice to have some form of magic I that mean, adheres to those rules. And this is just defying that, and this is this is more fairy tale magic, where it's just like produced by a wand and just happens. I don't. I mean, I like it. I, I, it, it's very effective for the series of the movies, but I would, I would love to know. I think it's like fairy tale magic in that you don't really need to explain it, and it's best if you don't try to. Just, yeah, it's just like, oh, it's just magic. It's sort of unstated. Yeah, and I'm, I'm okay with it because it's a kid series. But like, if this was, if this was a series meant for adults, if I think J.K. Rowling wrote something on Pottermore about like the nature of magic. I would devour it. I'd be mm. so happy. But I, I don't need it. Like, it's not necessary. But it's just so vague, and like, I just want something more, con- I want to be able to explain why things happen the way they happen. You can't, it's never happening. Oh well. It's not even in this minute. <laughs> so, so we get this really long shot that I mentioned going down the table. All the food. All the food. All the food. I'm so happy about So food. much food. So much food. I thought all the kids get the chance to eat. I love that Ron just has food, like, sticking out of his mouth. It's, it's like, great. he had, like, two little chicken drumsticks in the other shop, and now he's now upgraded, he's got one to, giant he's upgraded to a giant turkey leg. Yes. Good for him. Good for him. What a carnivore. It's usually how Thanksgiving goes in my house. Yeah. Little pieces of dual-wielding chicken drumsticks. To one giant. To one giant turkey leg. Yeah. Um. So Harry asks Percy... 
who that professor talking to Coral is. So we got this really great shot last week of, like, the Snape stare down. Yeah, he probably asked yeah. who he is because he saw him staring at him mm-hmm. exactly. earlier. Who's, who's, that who's, that, who's that guy staring at me? And Percy, you know? Percy says, that's Professor Snape, the head of Slytherin House, Victoria's favorite. Damn right it is. <laughs> <laughs> he teaches potions, but everyone knows it's the dark arts he fancies. Mm-hmm. I have a problem here. Uh, okay. This is why I wanted to write in this minute, not next minute, because... Percy's line guts cut off, but I wanted to bring it up now. He doesn't fancy the job of defense against the dark arts. He fancies the dark arts. That's what Percy tells Harry. It's the dark arts he fancies. And uh, I think that's really telling. I think that's another sort of notch in the, like, wizards can go bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's really, like, one of the biggest fears Harry has. At least at this point. And we'll, we won't get it really reiterated until what, Order of the Phoenix. That, like, Harry could become this evil thing. He could be terrible, but great. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back to Ollivander yeah, again. Yeah, I don't know. I think that it comes up over and over again. Um, This fear. And we won't we won't get to talk about it a lot in the next couple movies, but, like... I think once Harry recognizes more and more the connection he has with Voldemort, I think that's really solidified in the book. That he's afraid that he could become like Voldemort. There we go. That's all I had. Alright. That was it. Okay. I think that's everything for this minute. How do you feel? Pretty good. Hungry. Hungry. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll have, we'll have, have, to, yeah, we'll have a feast of our own. <laughs> and then come back tomorrow. For another minute of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Can you join us tomorrow, Alex? I'd have to talk to my secretary, but I think I can squeeze you guys in. Oh, sounds good. We'll we'll try to make that happen. And and you guys, you should join us again tomorrow for minute number 48 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, you can find us at doinggenre.com or hpminute.com, along with uh, Back to the Future Minute, Geek by Night, Lord of the Rings Minute, The Doctor's Companion. Lots of great stuff happening at doinggenre.com. So you should join us over there. And... Uh, and come back tomorrow. Mischief managed. Dueling genre.